Curiosity. Kill the rat. Curiosity. Kill the rat. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Curiosity Killed the Rat. My name is Matt. Before I jump into anything else, I would just like to say that I am speaking from lands um, whose traditional Castonians are the Noongar people. And I am joined once again. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, you can't say I, as always. I can't always say as anymore, always because, because I wasn't here last time. You were, you were unfortunately stricken by the cruel hand mm. of the vid, the co. The Back in cough. the day, we called it coronavirus, but that's less trendy now. I reckon the company Corona <laughs> got their hands on some good marketing deals and pushed out COVID nineteen. <laughs> well, be I mean, more we spoke about this in it's the true. It, we, um, we, we, initial episodes, but there are lots of different types of coronavirus. Coronavirus is more of a. But I believe in. Corporate conspiracies, damn it. To heck with scientific evidence. That's right. The show's taking... Okay, no, no I'm kidding. I'm no. kidding. That's that's all a bit. I'm joined no. by my lovely, now hopefully feeling a little bit better, delightful co-host, Kate. <laughs> Sup. Yes, I, I too am here. Uh, I am feeling better than I was. I'm still bloody tired, but also is that, you know leftover covid fatigue or is that just the world i feel Who's like you're a phd student who spends their mornings and nights working as a pt which you know could be a great segue to talk about the topic but i feel mm. like because we've sort of used this podcast to unofficially uh log our experiences over the course of the pandemic i feel it would be remiss for me to not ask you about your own experiences yeah. with COVID-19 if you're comfortable with sharing that on this platform um don't recommend it uh, okay. <laughs> I just I don't recommend Good it to know. no it's really interesting because so many like freaking everybody I know has had it now pretty much mm. not quite but um but everyone's had such different experiences of yeah. it and you know talking to a couple of the people in my lab like one of the people in my lab in particular was like oh yeah you know when I had it it was tough I could only work like four or five hours a day and I'm sitting there going you could work at all. Yeah. Like I spent three days in bed in agony with the like muscle aches so bad that I couldn't, like it was, it was about, I had, a, I, I couldn't work. I had no I brain. It was, yeah. Yeah. Nah, well, it wasn't fun. And um, yeah, no, don't recommend. I, but, I've, know, I've heard that as well it. from different people, different experiences, people who I know that have mm. gotten it. Some of them, you know, like yourself, absolutely bedridden, can't move at all, everything under the sun. And then mm. some people that were like, I just had, you know, the mildest cough. And if I didn't take a rat test, yeah. I'd have no idea that I had COVID. You know, there's mm. a completely... I, I, yeah, I want... and how much of that is to do with the strain of it? How much is to do with the person's How much is to do with body, your immune system? It's... How long it's been since your last booster shot? Like mine was back just before Christmas, right? Because I was eligible for mine really early, mm. and then I haven't been eligible for my fourth because of the way that it's all yeah. worked. Um, and so it had actually been quite a while since I'd had my most recent vaccine. To me, catching it, so I don't know whether that affected the severity. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, like, and you know, who's to say? And look, but, if there's anything you know, I've learned from doing the show for the last couple of years, the answer is probably it depends. Or some a little combination bit of, everything, of all of the you above. Know, yeah. 
<laughs> we'll never really know. And, you know, that's, that's all right. We're, yeah. yeah. Well, back to my but flawless yes. segue before. <laughs> Your flawless segue that you then unsegued. You're like, I, I just, segue, I just, I just really wanted to, I just it. really wanted to talk about that at the start of the show. But what are we talking I about do, today? But before, well, before I, I jump back to your flawless segue, okay. I, it would be remiss of me to not also acknowledge the lands I'm speaking from yes. um, because I'm not in Noongar country so, mm. like you are. I am in Melbourne or um, Nam in lands traditionally owned by the Wurundjeri people. Um, and I think that's important to acknowledge. But yes, segue back uh, on top of being a neuroscience PhD student, I... I do other things too. Um, and one of those things is I work as a personal trainer. Um, in in a past life, I was an athlete. Uh, and so... The same life, it's just reason, a long life. It uh, feels like it's been lots of lives. I yeah. don't know. I feel like I've lived a lot of lives. Um, <laughs> no, but the reason, you know, this, I'm, not just, I'm not just flexing on you all <laughs> for the sake of it here. The reason that I bring this up is because uh, I, I don't want to talk about the brain today. I, I want to talk about muscle actually the, the, the um, stuff that makes the brain be able to move around and do its brainy brainy stuff you know uh, sure <laughs> yeah let's go with that uh, <laughs> but yeah like and and so i just wanted to you know oh i guess not justify my credibility because you know when have i ever felt the need to do that <laughs> on this show but i guess just flag with people that i have done uh physiology and exercise physiology subjects and studied this stuff both from a educational perspective, training perspective, and actually like being the athlete, mm. being the, the guinea pig perspective. So I guess I can hopefully, I don't know. Done everything some, under some the knowledge. sun to do with I, no, sport. No, I just, I know some things about muscle. Yeah. I don't know. I don't eat it though. Um, ironically, ironically. Well, I don't, is that ironic? I, I, I don't know. You are what you eat, right? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah, no. I, well, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, let's let's start off with a fun fact because I don't know. I like fun facts. Good place to start. Is that not uh, the entirety of this show? Hopefully, uh, full of facts. Yeah, we present them true. as fun. True. I well, I, I sure hope so. I hope <laughs> our listeners are having fun. I'm having fun, but you know that's <laughs> <laughs> no. But okay, muscle. The word muscle. Do you know why muscles are called muscles? I assume the Latins or the Germans of years past put it into our language in some way or another. Well, yes. Uh, I will. It, Latin. It comes from Latin. It's it comes spelled from the differently Latin word to musculus. The... Okay. But do you know what the Latin word musculus means? Is it? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think etymologically here. Is it? Is it to do mm -hmm. with something to do with mucus in some way? Those are similar. Um, mm-hmm. Muskrats. No, no, I I'll give you a hint. The, the, the um, sea mollusk, the mussel. No, it's named after the. So the bicep muscle is kind of what they were thinking of and picturing okay. when they decided to name muscles. Um, that is kind of the the quintessential. Hey, look yeah, at my muscles. Right? You it's flex kind your of biceps. Carried through from what it was named from. Yeah. Hence the the um, the, the, the the thumbnail for this episode on our social medias. That was our instinctual <laughs> pose to make for was to flex them biceps. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. No. It's it's because um, the Latin word musculus it means little mouse <laughs> because they th thought that the bicep muscle looked like a little mouse. Oh, that's cute. That's a bit cute. Right? Yeah, I thought you'd like, yeah, I, I you like, like words. I do like <laughs> words. Words are fun. 
So yeah, muscle, Latin, Latin for little mouse because of the the bicep. So that's fun. Uh, so what but I'm hearing the is, is Stuart Little is the strongest character to exist in all of fiction. <laughs> Stuart Little is a muscle. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> He's a musculus. Uh, if you've asked a Latin person, Latin person, Roman, ancient Roman Latin person, <laughs> person who speaks Latin. Um, gosh, yes, Stuart Little is a muscle. But beyond that. <laughs> There are other muscles, right? Like we talk about biceps and then you can be like, okay, yeah, there are other muscles like, you know, mm-hmm. triceps, quadriceps, like, you know, we've got all, so skeletal muscles, is but I want to point out, is there like, a, I want to, before like we dive into a, mon- a monocep, because we've got bicep two, tricep three, quadricep four, is there a quintocep, sextocep, septocep, octocep? Uh, no. Damn. And they're named, they're named based on, so like the bicep has two uh, heads that attach okay. your bicep brachii. You actually also have a bicep in your leg. Fun fact. So you've got your bicep brachii in your arm, which oh. is what everyone thinks about. And there's also a bicep. I uh, can't remember what the second word is, but it's to do with the number of attachments and the tricep has so three. So it's actually and named. And quadriceps is actually four muscles. There are actually four muscles there. So it's actually named um, according to the characteristics of the muscle rather than yeah, biologist of like days old. Named. Just like, num- okay, this is muscle this number is one. We'll call we it. Uh, we will call it the single, the, the unosep. unosep. <laughs> uh, that's the second one. We'll call that the bicep. That one. Yeah. Oh, that's number three. Tricep. Tricep. Fourth one. Fourth, yep. fourth set. No, quadricep. But <laughs> All right. <laughs> I digress. I'm uh, sorry. No, no, it's not. It's not because of that. It's actually named based on the, the structure of the muscle, which is interesting, I think. But uh, skeletal muscles, which are, you know, those muscles that we normally think about, the ones that join to our skeleton and move our bones and whatever when we do exercise, Mm -hmm. like that's only one of three types of muscle tissue that we have in the bottle. The bottle? I don't know what a bottle is. (laughs) The body. Uh, In the body. In the body, we have three types of muscle tissue, Mm. skeletal being one of them. And that's what I'm going to mainly focus on because that's what we all kind of really care about. This is bringing some very, very tiny bells in my mind. I feel like we may have touched on skeletal muscle and other types of muscle previously. Oh, when we're talking about... Possibly. Like maybe the diaphragm or something. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, possibly. So like you've got cardiac muscle, Mm. smooth muscle, and skeletal muscle are your three, right? So cardiac muscle is... The, the heart is so special, it gets its own type of, like, muscle tissue. Aww. It's, like, structurally different tissue to the smooth muscle and the skeletal muscle, which is really cool. Mm. Um, it's involuntary, so obviously... Can you imagine? Can you imagine, though, if your cardiac muscle was not involuntary? If it was voluntary and you had to, like, think consciously. Like, every time you flex your bicep, you have to think about it, right? You have to choose to do it. It doesn't just, like, do the thing like the heart beats. Like, if you had to think well, every time you had to beat your heart... Would you not heart, just like, die in your sleep? You would have to be I mean, conscious all the time. That's that's the yeah, solution. Well, yeah. So, nah. Luckily, <laughs> uh, the heart. Luckily, the heart muscle, cardiac muscle, is involuntary. Yes. Uh, the smooth muscle is also involuntary, and that's the sort of muscle tissue that lines like the blood vessels, the intestines, and so like it's the stuff that pushes the shit around your body yeah. by contracting and relaxing repeatedly. Um, and then you've got your skeletal muscle, which is what we all know and love and think about when we think of muscles. And we have 640 skeletal muscles oh, in the body. If you, you know, that's fun. a few fun, more than I can name. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? <laughs> uh, your biggest one is your uh, gluteus maximus. Oh, hell yeah, so it is. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, your longest muscle is your sartorius, which fun fact. So that muscle, it... 
it starts from like the outside of your hip and it goes across the thigh, right? And and joins to the inside of the knee. And it's this kind of like thin muscle that like isn't isn't very it's not much to do with strength. It's kind of does weird movements like when you sit cross-legged and whatever. Uh and it, yeah, it's the longest Is that muscle the in the body. Longest and it's also skeletal sorry. muscle or the longest muscle, period. Because I would have thought perhaps the smooth muscle oh, yeah, that would the be longest, on the, 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 the small intestine would be. Now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Just wanted nah, to clarify. We've moved, we've moved firmly into skeletal territory. Copy that. Um, yeah. But no, what I was going to say, fun fact about the sartorius is um, apparently it's very uncommon to injure this muscle, to strain it or tear it or, or whatever. Hmm. Um, and the only reason I know that is because I You found a way? You found a way to injure it? Uh, I found a way. I did it and I went to the physio oh. and he's like, what the fuck? Like, he's like, I was actually just talking to my physio <laughs> mate the other day about how, like, you never see these. Do you mind if I, like, tell him about this shit? And, like, you know, he was getting so hyped about this, like, rare injury. I'm like, he's like, how did you do this? I'm like, I don't know. Like, You're I just pressed just- my leg funny not like or I, I think athletes. i was getting up from uncrossing my legs funny <laughs> i look i don't know but it meant i couldn't run for ages and it was a real pain oh. <laughs> but you know longest muscle in the body uh well, there's another there's a, another flex to add to the list there <laughs> yeah right can strain sartorius yes uh sartorius is starting to sound like one of the when you say sartorius it just makes now. me think of um uh, Way back when, before tick well, not way back when, before TikTok was a before. thing, when it was still an app called Musically, there was a person on it called Jacob Sartorius, who was uh-huh. a very um, prolific child lip syncer person, like thirteen year old boy yeah. that thirteen year old girls were really into, and the internet loved to make uh-huh. fun of him. So when you say well. Sartorius, that's all I can think of. <laughs> That's all you think of. All right. Well, let's move on to the stapedius, yes. which is the tiniest, smallest little muscle in the body. Uh, six millimeters is how tiny this Aww. little fucking thing is. Uh, and it's in the middle ear. Oh, um, in, yes. In, yeah. The the balancey, balancey mm. one, right? The balancey, balancey one. No, no, that's a different. Because your inner, your ear is all about oh, balance, right? Well, yeah. There's oh, the ear is yeah. You've got your vestibular organs in in your inner ear to help with balance. So it's just no, another this, this cool muscle thing that the ear joins does. to the little tiny bones and yeah. But okay. it's it's the smallest muscle. Point is, none of that is really important. It's just those muscles are voluntary and mm. skeletal muscles. Like their their main job, their only job is they pull bones in different directions, right? Yeah. And like this is this is a cool I don't know, I think this is cool, right? It, is that muscles never push, they always pull. Like oh. that is a fundamental rule. And th- that seems counterintuitive because there's an exercise, right, called like push ups. Yeah. Right. You may be familiar, I don't know, drop and give me twenty. <laughs> but like when you do a push up, for yeah. example, that is your triceps, so the back of the top of your arm. Mm shortening to straighten your arm, right? Because when you bend your arm to do a bicep curl or flex your bicep, you know, that's your bicep that shortens. Your tricep, which is behind it, lengthens. So when you straighten your arm, it's actually the tricep contracting and pulling. And so it's actually a pull motion to straighten your arm. And same with your pecs. Your pecs are actually pulling your arms closer to your body, right? They're connected to your arms and your uh, chest and pulls it closer together. So you do a push up, but it's actually your pecs that get sore and your triceps that get sore because those are the muscles that are pulling. They're the ones doing the work. Oh, that's so interesting. They pull. That's such a fun, like, Mm. misnomer in in exercise Mm -hmm. because I've always, I'm quite good at 
pulling exercises from doing a lot of mm. rock climbing. I can do many more pull-ups than I can mm. bench press something. So I've always been like, yep. okay, I need to cross train my pushing exercises so I can get mm -hmm. more well-rounded strength. But mm. it just, which I mean is, is, is also true. Like, mm. and I definitely remember doing my, you know, personal training certificates back in the day. Like when you learn the very first thing, when mm. you kind of learn how to design a full body basic training program, you want to balance, they teach you balance, like the push exercises with the pull exercises. Mm. So, you know, you've got a push up and a, you know, pull like back row or something yeah. pull. And then you've got a pull down and like a push up or whatever to kind of, you know, because, because like the, with the example I gave with the bicep and triceps, mm. like muscle groups sit in, like they have partnerships, right? Yeah. There's, there's what, you know, one muscle that contracts while another one lengthens in mm. any given movement. And then there's always a reverse of that. So in the legs, right, when you straighten your leg, that's your quads contracting Shrinking. to oh. straighten the leg yeah. and the hammies are lengthening. But when you bend the knee, that's your hammies contracting and your quad lengthening. Mm. Um, oh so gosh. there's always going to be a muscle that is lengthening in any given movement. So it's good to balance those quote unquote push with those quote unquote pull exercises when you define pushing and pulling in terms of how your body moves in relation to gravity or how your weight that you're using moves in relation to gravity. Mm. But within the actual like biomechanics in your body, what is causing that movement, the working muscle group is always pulling. That's insane. I did not know yeah. that. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, right? That's really I thought cool. that was, I that's, thought that was cool. That I'm glad that you think fact. that's cool too. Now I'm just, um, I'm moving all of the different parts of my body and realizing, like, I was thinking about riding mm. a bike and I was pushing my, my, my heel down and thinking like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, when you straighten your knee out, that's just the quad. Mm-hmm. Shrinking. Or even if you like think about, you know, you go to the gym and you have those different machines that like the hamstring curl and the like oh, leg extension and stuff you're that'll using target the different a muscle. You're just you're you're shrinking it, you're contracting it. Muscle mm. contraction. Those different exercises, pulling. what they do is they just pick a joint or a muscle group and they isolate it and they do a movement that Yeah. Oh. That's cool. Um, so, you know, yeah, if you do a lot of rock climbing, you're naturally mm. doing a lot of pulling down. Mm. So it makes sense if you want to have more well-rounded strength to balance that out with pushing exercises mm. at the gym. But when you're doing like, for example, a shoulder press, like where you're pushing up, which would kind mm. of be the opposite of a pull up, right? Yeah. That is your shoulder muscle, your deltoid. That's shortening contracting. Oh, I really hope that everyone at home is up. moving their arms oh, as yeah. much as we are. Nobody right nobody can see us. We're doing all these like movements <laughs> with our arms like crazy. But you know, I'm hoping that in describing it, like you guys can kind of get a bit mm. of a picture for it in your in your mind. Um and it's really cool actually how this contraction happens. Like it's mm. but like okay before I kind of get into the the nitty-gritty of kind of like how that happens I want to just like talk about the structure very briefly, not in like, <laughs> if, if I made you like remember the names of all the different things, just it's not worth it. But I, I think it's, it's crazy to conceptualize. And I don't think a lot of people realize how weird muscles are. They're like babushka dolls, right? Okay. They like, yeah, like those Russian dolls that like, as you get smaller, 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 like, you know, you keep, there's just things within things. They're like an so, ogre or an onion. They have layers. Well, Literally, though, each <laughs> muscle is essentially, I mean, it's first of all, it's essentially like its own organ made mostly of muscle tissue, but there's also like blood vessels, nerve fibers in mm. there um, and connective tissue because 
the way it's structured is you've got your big old muscle. So let's say your bicep. I don't know. That seems to be my go-to example today. Yep. We're stick, it's the little mouse. I like We're it. sticking with it. So that's your kind of outside big mummy Russian doll. I don't know. Yeah. I've gone with this analogy and then realized I don't know how to follow it any further, but oh, we're going to do right. it anyway. We'll see how uh, deep the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> yeah. And then within that, you've got things called fascicles. So those are each wrapped in their own little layer of connective tissue, mm-hmm. right? And they're a bundle of muscle cells. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of like zoom into the muscle cell and each muscle cell is wrapped in its own little thing of connective tissue. And you zoom oh. in within the muscle cell, you've got these myofibers, which are these tiny like strands, which is, you know, why meat is, I was going to say stripey, stringy. It, you it know, has like, these I don't fibers. Know, I don't eat meat, but you know how like it, it, meat is... That there are distinct fibers and like, yeah. yeah. Um, But it's like, it literally, when you look in textbooks and whatever of like, you know, the structure of skeletal muscle, it's Mm. just like a tube within a tube, within a tube, within a tube (sighs) until you like finally get down to that like smallest layer of the Russian doll. And that's where you've got your contractile proteins, your actin and your myosin. Um, And they're the ones that actually do the movement that shortens the muscle and then, I guess, also lengthens it um, again. And I don't know. I just – I remember Mm. learning about this stuff uh, in undergrad, but not from my undergrad lectures, but uh, shout out Hank Green, who's still around doing amazing cycling Oh, hell yeah. I think think Hank Green's blown up more now than he was back then. He's a huge figure on TikTok these days. Oh, absolutely these days. Um, but he's like, he's written books as well. Legend. But no, there was like a crash course video from like probably like a decade ago when I was first learning about this stuff. And it's just stuck in my head as like a great example of psychom and just like mm. the best way that this was ever explained to me. And so, you know, I'm going to roll with, I'm going to steal Hank's analogy, but I've credited him. So it's fine. Yeah. And I just, I loved it because he described actin and myosin, the two muscle uh, strands, filaments, mm. as star-crossed lovers, essentially. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, the, the greatest story of star-crossed lovers, greater than Romeo and Juliet, blah, 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 because it's their constant, like, coupling and uncoupling, which is how muscles contract. So, okay. essentially, here's the movie, here's the franchise, here's the book, Give me the pitch. you know, right? So you've got thin strands, which are your actin, thick strands, which are myosin. They're, like, intertwined, but they're not quite touching. Mm-hmm. but they really want to, right? Like, so they're like, I don't know, high school teenagers at a dance, <laughs> kind of like, no, they're not quite touching. They really want to. But that's because actin is being blocked by some bodyguards. This is why the star-cross lovers, right? I know bodyguards, or if I'm going with my high school dance analogy, I guess like the teachers are chaperones yeah. and it's like, you know, no touching, no touching. Yep, yep. I know you want to. I know you're horny little teenagers, but no, 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 no not under this roof. Um, even though they're like, oh, but I'm in love and all I want to do is to... Anyway, um, so the bodyguards, for people who actually want to know the names of things, troponin and tropomycin are the names of these proteins and they're essentially just proteins that are like wrapped around blocking, not letting them touch. But that's, yeah. you know, none of that's really important. It's conceptually, they can't touch because they're being guarded. But luckily these are bodyguards. They're a little bit dodgy and they can be bought off with uh. Uh, some calcium, right? They can, they can get distracted if there's some calcium around... Calcium will bind. The teacher, you know, a hot parent walks into the school hall and the teachers are like, oh, I'm going to pay attention to you and the kids can do whatever. I don't care. <laughs> um, and so they're momentarily distracted. Yep. So what happens when a muscle is hit with like a nerve impulse, because that's how we decide, yeah. to, like that's how our muscles do the thing. They get hit with a nerve impulse. 
Mm-hmm. Essentially, a bunch of calcium is released. And yeah, the, the tropomyosin, the bodyguards, they get distracted. They, they bind to the calcium. They change shape. And this moves them away. So the myosin is now fucking stoked because he, he can like bind to the actin. Yeah. Uh, so the myosin changes shape and essentially shortens the whole like muscle thing as it grabs onto the actin and like i'd like to think of it they just grabbed it into like a nice tight embrace they pulled it in nice and close together you know and and myosin being the teenager that he is Mm -hmm. i this is no longer hank's analogy i just want to put that out there this is going a bit more free form i respect it but but what happens then right is once it's pulled into this nice tight you know contracted release Mm -hmm. that is actually when the energy gets released you know because it doesn't need it anymore he's this big release of energy from myosin you know he's a teenager he's hugged a girl for the first time (laughs) big release of energy energy. is that what we're going with Um, is that how you're phrasing it and then Acton gets ripped away, <laughs> maybe in disgust. Maybe a teacher saw what happened. We don't know, but they get torn apart. Mm-hmm. But then some more calcium. Another hot parent walks in and, you know, they get the hug again. I don't know. You know, but it's it's this constant coupling and uncoupling, you know, torn apart and then pulled back together, torn apart and pulled back together. Uh, and that's how muscles, you know, contracted and released. And the reason I point out that it's it's actually the energies used in the releasing is because I know we've definitely talked about this on the podcast before, but I can't remember in what mm. context, but rigor mortis, yeah. like when you die, you you get stiff, mm. right? And all your muscles are contracted because actually in their resting state, muscles are contracted. Like actin and myosin are cuddling, right? Yeah, it's, it, you okay. need energy for them to relax, for them to open, for them to be torn apart again, for them to, you know, yeah. So interesting crazy stuff and that's all just happening on this like tiny tiny you know several layers into this um babushka doll uh that's so crazy that their natural state is to be contracted and stiff Mm. when that you know from how we use our muscles in a day-to-day thing the the moving of them to contract them to you know you know bicep analogy again that you pick something up Mm. you lift it you're contracting it you're putting in work it's requiring stress and strain on the muscle to hold this thing Mm. and then when you need to relax afterwards you put the thing down your body stops doing Mm. the work you know Mm. so why do we need to put energy in in order to contract them if that is their rest state and it is requiring more the body is actively keeping them apart. Why is relaxing consuming less energy than contraction? This is definitely something that I remember raising and learning an <laughs> answer to. And it's to do with like something, it, it's just more efficient for the body because like most, something along the lines of like, you know, more often than not, we are doing something, right? Like standing up uses muscles to contract, right? Like gravity, mm-hmm. we have to fight gravity. We're like, we're constantly... Mm at least a little bit engaged, right? There's very, very few times in our life where we're just like lying completely flat in a like, I don't know, weight suspension pool, gravity, anti-gravity pod or whatever. And like, you have no contraction in any of your muscles. Like our muscles aren't just about doing work. They're about like everything in life. You've just got, your muscles are constantly working. And so it's actually a redundancy thing. Like it's more efficient for the body to always be, in that state of contraction and then just use the energy source for the relaxation rather than contraction. And it's, yeah, it seems counterintuitive, Mm. um, but it's a way that the body 
uses less energy to do what is required of it. Well, that's kind of like the 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 theory at the time that it was explained to me. I have okay. to. I haven't looked specifically into that question or. Um, because then I also wonder about astronauts in space in zero G conditions, mm. their muscles will atrophy over time with lack of mm-hmm. use or even mm-hmm. on a more grounded level, someone who's perhaps become paraplegic and loses use of their mm. legs. And when they stop using their, their leg muscles, they atrophy over time from lack of use. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, do we want to talk about yeah. atrophy and then the opposite of atrophy, which is hypertrophy, aka yeah. like how do we get swollen? Like how do our muscles actually grow? Because in order to sort of answer like why do they shrink, mm. like they waste away from not being used because they don't really need to be used. And it actually takes effort for our body to make our muscles bigger and stronger. And that effort's only worth putting in if the body thinks it needs it, right? Yeah. So, like, you get stronger after doing a regular workout routine because your body has had to adapt. Like, that, like, and and goes, oh, well, this is, this is what is going to be demanded of me on a daily basis, so I'd better, like, you know... Mm. I'd I'd better get able to cope with it yeah. because, you know, this is just kind of like how it is because like, it's actually when you exercise, you damage your muscles. Like that is what you're aiming to do. Mm. You tear your muscles, you cause micro tears in the muscles, you break them, you hurt them. And then what makes you get bigger and stronger is actually the recovery part, the repair part. Mm. So I'll get to that in a second, but it's kind of like, you know, I was saying it's an adaptive response. A good example, I think, is like I play guitar. I say I play guitar. I know a couple of chords on guitar. I don't play it very well. But when you play guitar regularly, right, you'll you'll develop calluses on the end of, of your, your fingers. Yeah. And I used to play guitar a lot and I used to, you know, be able to play for a while and it wouldn't hurt and whatever because the ends of my, like the skin on the ends of my fingers would get real rough and tough to like protect that. Uh, and then I didn't touch my guitar for years and then I started playing it again recently and I can only play for like a little bit and then I'm <laughs> like, my fingers hurt. I can't, I still know the patterns of the chord. Like I still know how to do it, mm. but I just don't have that rough calloused surface like I've got to I'm gonna have to keep doing it to get that adaptive response because my body my body stopped trying to you know it was no longer like oh we don't need to produce these extra like skin cells or rough and like you know we don't need there's nothing to protect against why bother yeah and so muscles are kind of the same thing if you don't use them then the body's like why why would I put energy into making them bigger and stronger Mm. Um, it would be redundant and the body's yeah. good at efficiency, mostly. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, what I think is interesting is, like, when your muscles get bigger, it's not because you gain more muscle fibers. Like, you don't grow more muscle fibers. Mm. The muscle fibers themselves just get bigger. Like, their volume increases. Each, like, muscle cell gets swole. Right. So the cells themselves get bigger. It's not adding more layers to the cell. No, it's not adding more muscle fibers. That's not what I would have thought it was. I would have thought that because if it was so layered, you would just like, you know, stack more on, I guess. It just... No, it's because, you know, you do an exercise, you do a bicep curl, you, you know, you curl a 15 kilo weight and it causes all these micro tears in the muscle fibers because Mm. they're like, fuck, that's heavier than I probably should have (laughs) done. But even if it's at at a good weight, you know, micro tears is what we want. Mm. And then, so then 
then what happens is what you get an immune system response. You get some cytokines going in there. Um, there are also these cells, these really cool cells called satellite cells that like hang out between your muscle cells. And they're essentially, they're what we call quiescent, which just means that they're asleep. They don't, you know, they're just chilling out, they're asleep, whatever, until the muscle gets damaged. And then that wakes up these satellite cells. And what they do is they actually fuse with the muscle cell and they donate their nucleus. So oh. these micro traumas like release all of these extra molecules that signal to these nearby satellite cells to swoop in. And now what we have is a cell with lots of nuclei. So this is what's really cool to me about muscle cells is they have lots of nuclei, lots of nucleuses, ah. nuclei, nucleuses. Nuclei. So, you know, to remind you or to like, you know, fill in or I don't know, Matt, Chuck, to you, do you remember, what's the nucleus of the cell? Why does that matter? Why Why do you think it's cool and why do you think it matters that muscle cells have lots of them? The nucleus is the center of the cell. I Nucleus to me is more of a word, I associate it more with, more with physics than I do with biology because I didn't mm. really pay much attention so, okay. to biology. Well, I'll I help think you more out. of it like I'll, in I'll... atoms, you know? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll help you out and I'll cast your mind back to, I think it was the first vaccine episode where we talked a lot about mm. DNA, RNA, protein, yeah. and the nucleus. The nucleus being where our DNA is stored. Yeah, okay. So does that mean we gain more DNA? I. Well, so the DNA, you don't gain more <laughs> DNA, right? In yeah. the sense that, like, you know, these satellite cells, every, every cell in your body has a nucleus which has a copy of your DNA, right? Yep. Every cell in your body. Um, yes. And multiple copies of your DNA. That's, you know, makes no difference. But these these are, your DNA is blueprints, right? It's yes. instruction manuals for how to build proteins. Yes. And so if you're thinking about, like, a factory, for example, if we're thinking of a muscle cell as a factory, right? Mm -hmm. You have a factory that has one copy of this instruction manual on how to build, you know, or how to repair the, the the cracks in the walls from the earthquake or whatever the, the damage analogy we're going with from these like micro tears of this mm -hmm. muscle fiber, right? So you've got this, you know, place that has one instruction manual on how to repair all of these damages that are all over the building, mm -hmm. but you've got to like pass it. Like it's going to be slow going. If you have lots of copies of this instruction manual, you can have lots of people sort of simultaneously doing work and repairing mm. faster, right? So the yeah. overall job of repairing the building Assuming you require an instruction manual to repair the building, which in this case we're assuming that we do. <laughs> yes. Um, more copies of the instruction manual means that the more job's going to be done faster, more efficiently, yeah. right? So in order to get bigger and stronger, um, yeah, so the more nuclei that your cells have, the, the faster and the better that they repair themselves. And so you can get huh. strong faster. So this is where it's like, cool yeah because i don't know like the concept of muscle memory i don't yeah. know if you oh, I'm, I'm familiar with I'm, I'm not familiar with the how the science behind muscle memory but i'm mm. familiar with the concept of muscle memory just in the pure notion of you know the more you practice something the more it becomes second nature you don't have to consciously think about an action mm. in order to perform it because you've repeated it that many times you can do it without thinking it's mm. as if the memory is in your muscles um, but I don't know what's actually going on there, physiologically speaking. Yeah. So the interesting thing about muscle memory is that we do kind of have this one term, muscle memory, that we we use to describe a couple of different things. And we kind of just like use it as though it's the same thing. And what we're actually describing is a couple of different phenomena. So there's the phenomenon of 
the memory of a motor pattern of a movement, which is kind of like what you're, you know, mm. uh, describing. Like if you play an instrument and you just kind of mm. play a certain song over and over again, you can do it without thinking. Um, you said that that's kind of the muscles that, that sorry, those movement patterns mm. are stored in your muscles. Yeah. That's not actually true. It's in the brain. Mm. Those movement patterns are encoded in the brain, which is then it sends neurons down to your muscles and you can execute those without thinking a lot better because they're subconsciously encoded in the brain. Yeah. But that's not actually memory stored in the muscle. But then in the fitness world, you also hear people throwing around the term muscle memory for like, you know, athletes who have taken a long break and then they want to get back into fitness. They, they get fitter quicker than if they were like someone who'd never been fit before or like someone who used to be really big and really strong and like maybe they took time off because of injury or you know uh, whatever various reasons you you take time away from training people that have been strong large fit before their muscles are going to get back to that level faster than the first time they did it interesting um and that is because of these nuclei and these satellite cells so once these satellite cells have fused and Mm. like donated their nuclei then those like they they stick around that extra those extra nuclei stick around your muscles will shrink again if you don't use them but they'll still have backup instruction manuals so next time that factory is hit with an earthquake you still have like 20 instruction manuals instead of one so you can recover quicker, faster, get bigger, quicker, faster. That's nice. So on, so forth. That gives me hope because as as I mentioned, mm. I, you know, I, I enjoy rock climbing, but I haven't gone in like months at this point. Mm. And I, mm. I find even if I take a break for even a couple of weeks, when I go back, it's suddenly much harder. I feel like I've already oh. immediately lost a lot of strength. But here, And you will feel like that because you like, will have course. lost the strength, but you'll get it back faster. Which is a, a nice, I think, message of hope mm. there, at least for I, me personally as someone, in my personal you know, situation. <laughs> yeah. As someone also like, you know, this is another one that I can kind of anecdotally speak from experience as someone who's gone through periods of like very heavy training and then periods of zero training and then mm. very heavy training and zero training or whatever. Like, you know, I do find that it like comes back quicker than you uh, expect it to, which can be nice. That's good. So they shrink back down, but the nuclei stay there. I didn't even know that mm-hmm. cells could have multiple nuclei. Nuclei, I, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not common. Um, is it unique? The, is the it cool, unique cool to skeletal, skeletal muscle? Is it something that can happen to smooth muscle? Other organs? Yeah, no. So that seems to be something that is actually unique to skeletal muscle. Like smooth muscle definitely only has one nuclei. Uh, Cardiac muscle mostly only has one nuclei. I think there's been a few exceptions that have been uh, found, but generally, generally, no, it's, it's a skeletal muscle. That makes sense, right? Because skeletal muscle is something that we do work on with strength over time, depending on what the demands for our body are, but it's Mm. rare for us to do. And I mean, you don't necessarily want to gain size and strength in your like, you know, intestinal muscles, but cardiac muscle is Mm. an interesting point though, because you do, or at least like, you know, athletes, uh, like you you do want to build your Cardiac muscle, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, you may, you may have heard. <laughs> I say you know, but like, you may have heard that athletes have a lowering, lower resting heart rate, right? The fitter you are, the lower your resting heart. So, your resting heart rate is just how many times your heart will pump in a minute, yeah. right? Um, and it's a you measure of health. Normally, people sixty to eighty beats per minute. I think is the normal healthy human 
uh, resting heart rate range. Yeah. Um, so that's about once a second or, you know, um, a little bit more. So athletes have a lower one. And I, I remember once again, this is me just being like, look how good I am guys. <laughs> but like back in sort of the peak of, well, one of the peaks of my, my fitness, um, I also got appendicitis quite frustratingly mm. and I was in hospital having my appendix out and had the, the, the heart rate monitor thing and it would keep beeping in the middle of the night because I think they had it set to like 50 beats per minute. If, if the heart, if the patient's heart rate drops below 50 mm. beats per minute, like sound the alarms because it could be something bad. Yeah. Uh, but my resting heart rate, especially at night when I was sleeping was like below that because I was at you know you were I was a cyclist i had quite a good heart yeah um and so it would drop below and like it makes perfect sense as to why when you think about what we've just been talking about right mm. and so if you have bigger stronger heart muscles um which you know you get the more like if you if you use your heart lots it, it beats lots when you exercise blah 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 you feel your heart rate go up it's gonna make the muscles get bigger and stronger mm -hmm. to, you know, counteract the micro tears that you get. Yep. That means that each beat is going to be more powerful and you're going to push more blood with each beat, which means you need to pump less times in a minute to keep the same amount of blood flowing around the body, right? Yeah. The same efficiency of blood flow. You don't need to do it as often if each like pump of blood is stronger and pushes a greater volume. A and... larger pump pumps more than a smaller pump thus. Yeah. And so less. therefore it doesn't need to pump as, frequently yeah yeah um and so, yeah you know there you go and that, that makes sense and we love that and i guess that's why it's called cardio right like well <laughs> you work yeah, out well, I mean, yeah cardiovascular fitness yeah. because it's your cardio cardiac system and your vasculatory system yeah. uh <laughs> that makes total sense yeah we i don't you love when science actually makes sense um I guess there's, there's one more thing that I wanted to touch on in terms of like skeletal muscle, muscles, muscle growth, exercise, recovery, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Um, a common sort of misconception that I think is just an interesting thing to talk about. And that's steroids, steroids yeah. and muscle growth. Um, because I think, well, I don't, I don't know. Do you... Have, is this a rant that I've had to you before? Because I feel I, like I probably ranted to you about this before. I, I, I've, it must have been you, but I've definitely had a discussion about steroids before. So I, I think I know the the thing you're going to talk about, the, the right. misconception okay. versus its actual effect in, in terms of how it affects someone trying yeah. to grow muscle Okay, mass. so I won't I won't get you to guess and then spoil it for me um, because <laughs> I think I've definitely, you know, this yeah. is, I don't know, I talk to a lot of people about this because I think it's really interesting. I think it's because, a good thing to share on this episode. Well, yeah, because you get, you get a lot of people um, being like, oh, you know, people who take steroids, like, you know, to get huge, like it's short, like it's okay. Yes. It's cheating in some circumstances, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Like all of that kind of moral question about it aside, I think there's this misconception that it's cheating because you just, you, you inject your steroids and then you, you're huge. You yeah. wake up and do like the injection of the steroids is what makes the muscles. Big no work you don't required. Actually have to do, nah, you don't have to do the work. Like it's, it's like a lazy workout. option or something. Yeah. It's like, you're, it's, it's, it's a replacement for a workout. Like you're skipping mm. the workout because you're doing roids instead of curling weights and you should just do it in the natural way and work mm. hard. Um, and the people who, you know, use steroids to get big, don't work hard. Um, wrong, big, wrong, very big, wrong, because what steroids actually do um, is, and it's like, well, you know, 
testosterone, for example, is a steroid, steroid hormone. And that just, that just means it can cross, go straight into the nucleus and, and promote growth and stuff. Um, essentially that's what it does. It promotes growth and recovery, testosterone and other steroids that, that people inject or use for performance enhancing or like size enhancing sort of reasons. What it means is that when you work out, you, you tear your muscles as per usual, Mm -hmm. and then you build them back, put them back together. They get bigger and stronger, but that happens faster, which means you can do your next workout sooner and Mm. then recover from that quicker. And so you get bigger and then you do your workout again sooner. So essentially like you still have to do the workouts. Like, in fact, you're doing more workouts, right? In order to get the bigger gains, you still have to do more workouts. You can just do it in a shorter period of time because your body has an increased capacity to like build back up after that damage quicker. It's like, I don't know, emergency instruction manuals being flown in, but not really, but like, you know, it's, it's like translators being sent in to translate the foreign instruction manuals that were in the back closet that, you know, that kind of thing, right? It's, it's promoting that recovery after damage. It's not stopping you. And is that why biological males tend to gain more muscle mass than biological females due to the fact Mm. that they naturally produce more testosterone than biological females, meaning, yeah, as you, well, for like, all the reasons you, know, you just mentioned. The testes will produce a lot more testosterone than the ovaries. The ovaries do still produce mm. testosterone. Common misconception that, um, yeah, people with ovaries don't produce testosterone. They absolutely just do. Just like people with testes but, yeah, also produce estrogen, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just about the different levels. And there's a lot of, you know, evidence looking at trans people, trans masculine people mm. who were born with ovaries and, you know, the levels of estrogen and testosterone um, normally associated with a female. And then they start taking this exogenous testosterone, which is essentially adding steroids to your body. Right. Mm -hmm. And they find that, you know, that you're not automatically granted muscles when you do that. Like trans men don't just take tea and then wake up up. huge. But there is a lot of evidence and reports that like people that have a regular weight lifting routine, like for the same amount of effort that they were putting in before, they will gain like they will notice the muscle gain. Like they've still got to lift the weights, same as like mm-hmm. anything, but like you'll notice the the gains. You'll get swole quicker because yeah. you recover better. And so you can lift heavier sooner and build at a faster rate. Like it's just, you know, the testosterone binds to these androgen receptors in the muscle cells and more protein synthesis occurs. And that's why you like hear I, about, you know, bodybuilders. That there's that, I feel, very common thing with you hear about bodybuilders who take testosterone and end up, you know, with, you know, smaller dicks and smaller testicles well, and things like that. Because, your testes, yeah, your your testes p- will shrink because your body, your body is very good at sensing what your sort of homeostatic like testosterone level should mm. be or whatever. And if you're someone who has testes that naturally produce a certain level of testosterone and you start adding a whole bunch more testosterone in there, the testes kind of go, oh, we don't really need it anymore, eh? Um, the same reason that your tes- muscles so they, will they shrink, shrink yeah. down when you're not using your um, muscles. Your testes are so like, hey, can... I don't need to make this much testosterone because it's being mm. externally provided. So yeah. why would and the so body invest time in... so then you can become dependent on in... that external yeah. source um, because your body is like, well, why would I bother making it if, if they're just, you know... So then I wonder anyway. whether the testes are similar to the muscles in the sense of if you go off testosterone after being on it for a bit, do your testes then have the ability to mm. bounce back in the same way muscles do? Um, Uncertain. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know. I haven't. Hmm. I have not looked into that. Um, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No. What? That's yeah. 
I don't have testes, so it's not something I feel like I needed to look into. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, which I think is interesting. So yeah. you know, that's that's my rant about steroids is that like you know, I don't think people who get bigger and stronger through the use of steroids are lazy. I have a weird opinion in that yeah. I'm like, you know what? Uh, as long as you're not doing anything to like cheat in a competition or whatever, like that, that's a separate debate, but like, I'm not going to look at you and be like, you're lazy. Yeah. Um, no, you made a decision to facilitate being able to work harder and like there are pros and cons to that. And like, I'm not going to judge your lifestyle choice, but I definitely recognize that you're not lazy. Um, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, did we end up talking about, um, we talked about how muscles build and grow and that kind of thing, but have we touched on atrophy and the, 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 the counter, to oh, well yeah it's just big and strong you know the the same in reverse right in the mm. um the muscle cell doesn't have to get bigger and stronger uh if it's not having to like if it's not repeatedly getting damaged then it doesn't need to keep putting up extra defenses and extra walls and yeah. getting tougher and tougher um just like you know the calluses on my fingers faded when i stopped playing guitar the testes shrunk when they no longer needed yeah. to release um testosterone you know the muscles, like it, it's, it's work to keep the muscles big and strong. Mm-hmm. And if it's not needed anymore, then the body doesn't Done do, do the work to keep them big. They just shrink. They're yeah. like, what's the point? We're just, you know, because extra size and extra muscle as well. Like that's even when you're not using it or like actively using it, you know, even when you're not doing a bicep curl, if your mm. bicep is bigger even in its resting state, it's going to be consuming more energy. Like you're going to need more glucose just to like keep it alive, yeah. right? Like your metabolic rate is higher. Like you've got to eat more food to fuel your muscle just for existing. Mm-hmm. And that's just like the body's like, there is no point in doing this. Like, cause evolutionarily, right? Like we had a limited access to food. And so if you don't need to be using extra energy to maintain this huge body, then mm-hmm. like, why would you? Yeah. Food is a limited resource. And so they shrink. There you go, uh, confer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, um, and I guess like the other thing to say is that the way we repair it is through proteins, which we've always been mm. kind of saying, right? And like the nucleus is the DNA, which is the blueprint to make proteins and protein, protein, protein. And that's why um, we always, you know, protein shakes. And you always say like after exercise yeah. or especially after like weights training, you should have protein um, yeah. because that's, those are the building blocks that your body uses to make these muscle cells bigger. You do those um, micro tears, but that you don't give your body yeah. anything to fill in those cracks. If you don't have the concrete can't. or the wood or the nails to repair, like you can have all the instruction manuals in the world, but mm-hmm. if you don't have the building materials, like you're also kind of screwed. So yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's why recovery, like, nutrition is such an important part of athlete recovery as well really feels Um, like the 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 yin and yang of human growth and development within mm. your own body you need to have it seems like the rest and the recovery is just as important if not more important truly like that was one of the biggest things yeah one of the biggest things i got told as an athlete and that i try and like tell people as a personal trainer is that like the rest is the most important part of any training program Um, And even when I was training like 17 hours a week, double training sessions, doing triathlons and stuff, like I would still always have one day a week where I would not train or I wouldn't do like a hard session. It'd be a recovery session or like a stretch session or, you know, because it, you're, if you just train 
every day, day after day. You're just tearing and tearing and tearing and tearing and never giving them time to repair. Like that's when you break yourself, which is also something I've done. So, um, <laughs> so speaking you know, again from your own experience, truly, this is, I can <laughs> speak about this from all sorts of levels, but yeah, like rest recovery is the most important part of training because you don't get big while doing exercise you get big recovering from exercise. Um, you don't get strong from doing exercise. You get strong recovering from exercise. Um, and we kind of, I think you get into that misleading cause you get that like pump effect. Like you do, you do a yeah. weight session and maybe your muscles look a little bit bigger immediately after. So you're like, Oh, I've just immediately gained this size and strength. Yeah. And then it goes down and you're like, what's going on? Um, because that's not actually size and strength. That's like water and blood that's sort of been drawn mm. to the muscle because it's inflamed Yeah. because you've just, damaged it. it right inflammation yeah. swelling damage like it's not a sign of growth and strength it's a sign that you've done not bad damage but still damage that mm. is then going to lead to size and strength after you eat some food and sleep a little bit and have a rest um, I, th I think the callus analogy is a really good one for, for mm. muscles in terms of like that's damage that's happening to the skin. So the skin mm. provides more the skin skins. to make it hardier and yep. stronger. And then when you don't use it anymore, the calluses it goes away. go away again. Yeah, mm -hmm. that that yep. that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say about muscles but you know I, I know do you have any other questions <laughs> i probably know I mean, more things if you have anything the else. only other thing i can think of that i know is a silly question mm. because i know we'll have a silly answer but just based on the language of muscle growth being described as micro tears in the muscle okay not a silly question then um what then happens when you actually tear a muscle when you have the injury of, oh shit, I've overworked it or mm. whatever. And you have what, you know, your doctor will say, oh, you've torn this muscle. Um, does that mean afterwards the repair, you're going to get super strong from that? That's the silly question <laughs> I was thinking of. If it's a big tear, that means if it's going to be a big muscle, only, right? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I think if we're going to go back to our analogy of like, okay, there was a small earthquake we were able to repair the building bigger and stronger so it can survive the next earthquake, hopefully. Mm. Um, if you get hit with an earthquake so big that there's no building left to repair, mm. Um, mm, you know, like <laughs> yeah. if the whole thing gets burnt down, then you're probably going to start small, right? So, so a big muscle tear and... is that minor damage, but happening at a macro scale, Right, where I, uh, just... I think, you know, as far as I'm aware, like I was, you know, explaining the mm. Russian doll analogy. And when I'm talking mm. about these micro tears and repairing and stuff, that's happening at that, like, probably like, like the second sort of layer of the Russian doll. You've got your tiniest, tiniest mm. layer where the little filaments are sliding. And then the next Russian doll encapsulating mm. that is where the tears are happening. Right. Yeah. But then you've got dolls and dolls and dolls outside of that. And if you tear, tear your muscle injury mm. speaking, then you're tearing one of those bigger bundles. And that's, you know not so like where the nuclei are and where like the actual cells get bigger is down at that muscle cell level but if you're tearing mm. like a fascicle or you're tearing like the whole muscle um it's not getting bigger at that level yeah like you've got okay. to put a lot more back together um yeah and the body's not designed to see that as a good beneficial thing in quite the same way yeah um it just happens to use the same language because it's the nature well, of yeah well that's why we say micro tears as opposed to like you know we don't say oh you micro tore your muscle like you know <laughs> you tore your muscle yeah um as opposed to micro tears within the muscle walls or muscle cells um muscle yep. tissue blah 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 
but yeah. Um, but it gives a whole new meaning to get shredded or get ripped. <laughs> right? Like, it's, I wonder if uh, that's where that came from. I was thinking about that and I'm not sure because yeah. I don't think it is because generally when people say they're getting shredded, that's when they're l- losing the fat so that you yeah. have more muscle definition. It's like the so fat you can been see ripped your off six their pack body better. It doesn't mean that your abs have actually gotten bigger. It just means you've lost your stomach fat and yeah. that's getting shredded. So it's not so much the actual muscle, uh, uh, you know. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? I don't know the etymology of uh, bro gym talk. Um, <laughs> gym bro talk. Um, I just am a gym bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, bro. But yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's what I, we do have a listener question. We're going to shuffle shuffle back into, I was going to say, what's well, a bit more my my territory. But I guess like that kind of did feel like my territory yeah. as well, but in a different in a different way. Um, but I've got a brain question, so I'm, I'm pretty Ooh. pretty stoked. Always love getting brain questions. <laughs> um, so the email reads, Hey, mates, can you settle an argument with my boss for me? Mm-hmm. How independent are your brain hemispheres? If you lose exactly one hemisphere of your brain, will you still be a conscious being? Deck. Um, short answer, yes. Yes, you mm. can lose one hemisphere of your brain. I've heard uh, of um, the hemispheres of the brain not communicating with one another and people still functioning and that doing some real funky things. But mm, I haven't heard so, of you losing know, one whole half of your brain. Yeah, in terms of like the first part of the question, how independent are the hemispheres or of your brain? Um, you know, yeah, there are some cases where they are actually fairly independent and that does do some funky things, but they're generally pretty well connected by this. We've got this bridge in the middle called the corpus callosum that joins these two, um, hemispheres and there is crosstalk, but it's not necessary because the brain is so adaptive and plastic Mm. and amazing and hectic. And so like, you know, okay, first of all, I will say, you can't afford to lose your brain stem, which is the bit, you know, kind of between the spinal cord and the brain, mm-hmm. uh, the hemispheres, you know, the bit right down at the bottom, because that controls like your heart, your lungs, your blood pressure, you know, your breathing. Uh, you don't want to lose stuff. that. You will not be a conscious being if you lose that or half mm-hmm. of that or, you know, whatever. Um, though I do want to point out there was actually a really interesting case of a boy who lived 12 years with nothing but a brain stem. Oh. Um, yeah, Trevor Trevor Waltrip, born in 2001. Um, he had a condition called hydranencephaly. Uh, he was blind. He couldn't speak. He had to eat with a feeding tube and have therapists stimulate his muscles and joints, but he lived for 12 years. Oh, damn. Um, so you can survive with neither. You, you know, you can be a conscious being with neither of the hemispheres of your brain. Um, It'd be so interesting to know what his perspective on the world would have been. Uh, what what right. what that state of mm. being, what it would be like to experience that form of consciousness. I can only imagine horrible, but, you know, I don't know. Um, but, you know, yeah, losing, losing other parts of the brain, like, you know, even a whole hemisphere. Um, yeah, less severe to the brain's, uh, like, less severe to altering your function because of the brain's ability to rewire itself. So like Mm. you can have a relatively normal life with half a brain. And in fact, some people are actually better off this way and have surgeries to remove half their brain. The catch being you want to do this real young. You don't want to do this as an adult. Um, There is still going to be some level of uh, like, you'll, you'll still be okay. Like you can function, but you know, 
language, for example, is controlled in the left side of the brain. So if you lose that side of the brain, like you might have to take a while for the right side to pick up um, mm. how to do language. And, you know, half your visual field is controlled by half and motor, you know, you lose movement in half your body and visual mm. field in half your body. But yeah, like there, there is a condition called, um, well, it's, it's, it's just a type of epilepsy. Essentially you have seizures, um, frequent seizures that, are not responsive to medication. And if you leave it untreated, then the seizures can actually cause damage that spreads to the other hemisphere, to the other side, because this condition is mm. normally in one side of the brain. Yeah. So sometimes the best course of action is literally just to yeet that whole hemisphere out before it can do any more damage. Uh -huh. Let that void fill with your cerebral spinal fluid, which is the, the fluid that floats around and keeps all that area kind of lubricated. Mm. And if it's done young, like, you know, between the age of like three and up to maybe the age of 10 is sort of the latest, I think that they look at doing this sort of surgery. Um, your memory and personality seem to develop pretty like normally. And That's there are, like, crazy. In the but world you can that, just like, remove you know, have half a brain and you half of your brain. Know. That's you would not know. Um, yeah, crazy because because of the brain's plastic ability, it's just like okay, we only have this much brain tissue to work with, so let's just fill the space we have. It's it's very similar to that concept of you know when people go blind, their like hearing gets better because you mm. can kind of Matt Murdock. Um, Daredevil. Mm. Or like, you know, yeah, different parts of the, the brain take mm. on different functions. Like when you yeah. lose, you know, you lose your eyeballs, right? So the visual part of your brain doesn't need to do visual processing, but that brain tissue is still good to go. So it just yeah. takes on sound processing as well. And now I, you've um, got double the sound press processing sorry, brain uh, tissue. Sorry, a documentary a little bit ago about, a bl I think it was a while ago, actually, a, a person who was blind that could use echolocation. He was mm. really good. He just made a loud sound with his mouth and could ride a bicycle around because he would figure out where it all was due to yeah. this, this guy learned echolocation because he was blind. That's, so that's yeah, so that, that cool. could have been that case. You know, the brain space was still available mm. and because nothing was stimulating mm. with the visual thing, it then adopted the sound processing side mm, of things mm. rather than withering away into nothing. It, it it was adapted for a different purpose, which is yeah, yeah. fucking awesome. Brains, brains are very adaptive and, you know, we're still learning more and more about like how adaptive and like how late in life, you know, like I said, it's better to do it when you're younger, but you know, we've discovered relatively mm. recently that the brain keeps having this plasticity much, much later into life than we ever originally thought. Mm. Um, fascinating stuff. Like, you know, the brain has got your back, but, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know deck which side of the argument with your boss that you were on. Um, I'm hoping for your sake that you're arguing that you, you will still be a conscious being because yes. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, good luck. That's my answer. If it doesn't, if it doesn't help your argument, uh, my bad. Apologies. But you asked, so I answered. Uh, <laughs> if you guys, you guys, you listeners, you other listeners, you non-deck listeners, um, if you guys have questions or arguments with people that need settling with, you know, some science, uh, and you want to email your listener questions into us here at Curiosity Killed the Rat, you can email us curiosityrat at gmail.com is our email address. So shoot us those listener questions um i've got a few on the back burner apologies if you've sent one and i haven't answered it yet since we've dropped down to monthly episodes especially since i was away last month um yeah we've got a bit of a backlog on the listener questions but still feel free to send them um absolutely love them having a great time 
What else should I plug? Oh, Twitter, we've got that. Mm-hmm. Find us at Curiosity Rat. Instagram, find us at Curiosity Rat. You know, Facebook, if you're still on that. Yeah, Curiosity Killed the Rat. We've got a Facebook page, all that jazz. We also have a Patreon, which, mm-hmm. you know, we always feel really weird about plugging and being like, oh, you know, you don't have to give us money, which is true. You absolutely do not have to give us money because the whole point of this and me mm-hmm. rambling about muscles for an hour for free is so that you get this education for free that like I had to pay to get but I'd like you to have it free but if you find yourself with money and you want to pay us for our labor (laughs) there is a way that you can do that find us on patreon no stress um keeps us advertiser free keeps us totally independent yeah which is which is what we want Mm. absolutely what we want so yeah, hope you guys have enjoyed that episode. A uh, bit of a different one, mm-hmm. a bit of fun. It's good to have uh, you back, Kate. It's yeah, good to... it's, it's been a hot minute. I really, you know, I felt the absence, but mm-hmm. it's, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It was good fun. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Peace out, homies. Later, skaters. Curiosity. Kill the rat. Curiosity.